0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Welcome to Highway Diary. I'm your host, Eric Hollerbach. With me, Calder Hallbrook, a blast from the past, my LA days. We were just talking. You did my pie. This is the second time you're on Highway Diary. The first time, 2012, 2013. I remember it was in your apartment.
0: Well, it, we were we we, uh, we were out in 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 uh, on the street in front of my uh, like my apartment, but like in in keeping with the spirit uh, of your your show, we had to do it like in a road setting. Like uh, I this wish little I guy. oh yeah it's yeah I uh, I have one of those around here now somewhere. It, it's uh, it's not the one I'm using currently, but the one before that I I had I think that same model now.
1: Uh yeah boy you know it's a long comedy journey you know at the time we met we were in monkey butler together in los angeles uh you know you were also doing toastmasters um we were all you know chasing the stream. uh you also had success out there i remember you were on you had some bit parts in different cable shows
2: i bring a little
0: uh, a little good uh, fortune of uh... Like uh, I uh, at the beginning of the the pandemic, I had my first like real uh, TV role, so that was super exciting and something to sort of take with me into the cave, uh, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, yeah, I,
1: I've I've had I've had a few roles. These are dark times. You know, it's dark times uh, not being able to perform. You know, you always want the younger generation at least to have like a ladder to climb. But when when even like Broadway shuts down for two years. That's like a whole culture. That's a whole community that just ends. That's been destroyed, you know, so to even get the momentum to build it back. It's like you have to train the popcorn guy. You got to train the the ticket takers. It's not like you could just turn that all Broadway on and off like a switch, you know?
0: I mean, frankly, uh, it seems to me that we might benefit as a society if we started
1: completely from scratch on how to do the popcorn. <laughs> Uh, during the pandemic, that was my biggest thing. I, I was like stress eating popcorn with bacon, stress eating. Oh, and then man. I got commercial grade hemorrhoids and I gained 45 pounds in three days. So that's how I cope. That's my coping mechanism. Sure. Hallbrook. I hear that. Um, so, all right. This is why I got in touch with you because, you know, I'm here in Austin, Texas now I'm doing stand up, you know, and, uh, I've always been avoiding watching Damien Shadows because oh. it's so embarrassing. I play the dumbest gay vampire ghost hunter in the world.
2: Well, um,
0: well I'd, I'd have to see like a, a full leaderboard of all the the gay vampire hunters, uh, past and present, to really. So you know,
1: it's just embarrassing. I I, I feel like I intentionally. You know, that was always my improv style in in Monkey Butler. I would always, you know, two people walk in, I'll be the woman. I'll be the effeminate cashier. Like, I don't care. That stuff doesn't bother me at all. Like, it would always bother me when someone would always be, like, the wise, cracking, cool guy. And, like, that's all they could do in improv scenes. It's like, I'm a robot dog from space. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'll play the weirdest character. I I would always, like, humiliate myself, you know? (laughs)
0: Well, I think like uh, like it was always uh like a, a great like venue in which to to be whatever you were were not and I think that there's a range of things that you aren't. And definitely I think sometimes you want to like act cool and, and and get the girl in 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 scenes. I, for, for, I think that if I aired in any direction, it was probably in like venting aggression. I love I think I loved being like angry mean people
1: yeah yeah just like you're 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 finally cracked like this insurance salesman like he cracked today he's not taking any more bullshit type of character but
0: but comedy definitely i think like requires that at least that you you have a certain like uh quality of humility like you can never you can never like be like really good at it can you if you like have to be the best or the coolest
2: I remember um,
1: at the new school, I went to Eugene Lang College and we had this acting thing and it was like all the actors went in two rows and we took turns doing tug of war. And it was like these two people and three or four groups in a row. It was a struggle back and forth. They they pantomime this invisible rope that they were struggling with. Every one ended in a stalemate. So I go up fourth. And I'm opposite somebody who's like bigger than me, uh, a female person who's way bigger than me. And I could just tell the way her body language was when they were like one, two, three, she was gonna yank that sucker. I just knew <laughs> if you pantomime from here to here, the other person, if, if it's not a elastic rope, the other person's gonna, so I was at, in line, I was like, oh, squash match. So mm-hmm. as soon as she pulled, I just did a full front tom- full Like, I flew in the air. Then she, I got all the way to her side of the room. And then I had her throw me like a sack of potatoes behind her. This isn't a competition. Like, people thought it was a competition. Fucking four mm-hmm. sets of people in a row. is like, I'm going to win this tug of war. Are you out of your yeah. mind?
0: Well, I mean, you really want to win that car.
1: Like... It, this is for nothing in acting class. I'm like, lose. No, I'm gonna be the first one to choose to lose. And I think that was the whole impetus behind Damien Shadows. I also remember, sorry, I'm talking a lot. I want to hear from you. I want to catch up from you. I just want to talk about David Shadows. Um, in uh, high school, we had to read different literature. And one of the things was just like a super gay vampire piece. And then me and my friend Matt McGrath at lunch are like, so what's your writing genre? Oh, I'm a, I write only gay vampire stuff. Like, that's my genre. Like, I'm a writer. Like, I just thought the concept of the piece was so hilarious. Who wrote this thing? Like, there's a there's an industry of gay vampire stuff. there. So I think that was the first thing that's like, be as dumb as possible. You're just genre's gay vampire here, you know? And then um, it needed someone to ground it. So I called my buddy, called her Holbrook. <laughs>
0: So it could be the first time that I was called upon to stabilize a, a situation and, and bring it into some kind of moderation.
1: <laughs> well, there's a lot of proms out there on the internet,
2: you know, Calder. And there's one guy who's there to save us all. There is a plague of disinformation on the internet. I, Wilhelm Skeptisch, am the antidote. This is debunked But Wilhelm Skeptisch. <laughs> so what do you remember from that shoot?
0: Well, I I was uh, like, I was thinking about like this, uh, like when you reached out to me and the thing that immediately rushed back to me was how precise you were about the accent and how, like, I think I had some notion of how I was going to do it that was uh, very uh, cartoonish and and like not not very realistic and i think that was convenient because it was easier to do it that way than to try to do it very well and you would you would not uh let me off the hook and you insisted that i i keep working at it while we were there and it got a lot better than i think i imagined it could be uh like it's, and that was something i was very grateful for was that um that i uh, i uh worked on anything like accent like for a little while under your tutelage
1: Oh, that's sweet of you to say, well, I'm, you know, I speak German pretty okay. Not perfect. I speak it okay. I was an exchange student in high school, right? So I went over there and I had, when I was in high school for a whole month, Germans were speaking only English to me all the time for a month, right? And uh, it was a very impressionable time in my life as well. So uh, for me, it's very easy to do a German accent. For me, Southern, like when I lived in New Orleans, I went to grad school in New Orleans and some of those people I could not even understand, right? So, like, I get, like Creole French people talking to me, I'm like, "What the hell?" You know. So I just, uh, I'm good at that accent only, you know. Um, it was in my garage in Van Nuys, California. It was uh, in front of a green screen, you know.
0: That's why I remember that. <laughs> I, I didn't remember like uh the, the interior stuff we 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 did like I remember doing I remember performing it and I I didn't remember like where we were at when I did I, for some for some reason I think I, I I largely remembered the stuff we shot on the street uh remember because... we put a
1: green screen in the garage and we put like two lights on either side of you that's how yes
0: it. yes, that's right of course we did. Uh, I, I I think that, that, that might have faded from my memory because you didn't make me run uh, inside the garage and you made me run on the street.
1: Yes, and I apologize for that because you are wearing a lab coat uh, with your character. Everything is about brutal science and efficiency with your character. Very like German people. And, um, you know, uh, this also, you know, I've been... Um, You know, Eric Hollerbach doesn't always get booked in in the Austin comedy scene or in the comedy scene, but Klaus Schwab Jr., he gets booked a lot around here. You know what I mean? So there's a a lot of influence. I think Wilhelm Skeptisch had a lot of influence on Klaus Schwab Jr. So I just want to play this clip from uh, debunking
2: Wilhelm Skeptisch, if you don't mind. Disney's Magic Kingdom. My ex-wife's chastity was debunked thanks to a $20 fraternity and then called my lawyer and debunked the amount of child
1: support I was born to pay. I- <laughs> my ex 5s chastity was debunked. Like, what okay. I like is he's debunking. He's going to debunk things, Wilhelm skeptic. So <clears throat> what? this is what I learned from stand-up, right? Jim Norton, he would make fun of himself so much, okay? Then he points his finger at a politician. And he suddenly has all this credibility. You see what I'm saying? When you oh, yeah, yeah. make fun of yourself. So with this character, my goal was. My ax 5s Chastity was debunked. So then when you point at Damien Shadows, you look at everything through the same lens. So at least we see what your point of view is, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... That's why, uh, but when I saw this, I was dying laughing the other, uh, hold on, there's one other thing I want to, oh, let me play a Klaus Schwab Jr. clip real quick. This oh, is yeah. Klaus Schwab Jr.'s
2: Instagram. Hello, Instagram. It is your favorite ole jerk, Klaus Schwab Jr. I want to remind you to get tickets for Davos this year. Uh, there are very good speakers, Manafasa Santa Klaus Schwab. Uh, Dick Cheney and Kissinger and three or four lizards On the topic for Davos this year is love is not real. Everything is a commodity. Lots of interesting information. So Davos at the World Economic Forum, love is not real.
0: <laughs> I I mean, it would it would probably be less destructive to the world at large if that was indeed what they were discussing.
2: <laughs>
0: um.
1: Oh wait, I can't find. Um, going through it. You weren't on the set for Damien Shadows, right? But did you watch Damien Shadows before? And uh...
0: yeah, I think I watched the stuff that uh, you uh, you had sent over. I uh, yeah, I I wasn't there for it. Uh, although, like, I I wish I might have uh, had more uh, in person exposure to uh, Ian
1: Longway's uh, character and yours. Oh my God. We were so, uh, Ian Longway and I got along so well in Monkey Butler and you were on our team too, you know, but, um, he is so funny and he, what I like about him is he just will do anything. And, uh, I remember in Monkey Butler in class, I played this like, like sweaty Southern Belle, who was like, oh, I'm, or no, no, she was, no, no, a dry Jewish lady, that's what it was. It was a dry, I was the driest <laughs> okay. Jewish lady in the world. Oh, I'm so dry, oh, can, he, can I have a cup of salt and crackers? I'm dry, boy, my skin is just cracking. I'm so dry. I will can someone rub bacon soda on me? I'm dry. And so he just, Ian Longway comes out. He's like, boy, I'm a Southern, sweaty Southern, man. Sweaty, sweaty Southern. I'm so dry. I'm so sweaty. So then we hugged, and I was like, I've been most trying some ways I can't even explain now. And then we, like, wrestled on the ground together. Like, we were always just down to do the dumbest thing
2: possible. It was just so fun.
0: My guess is that Ian was exactly as sweaty as he purported to be.
2: He's a big
0: guy. He's a big man. Oh. The thing that was uh that was uh, uh like w- like there were a lot of things about him that are that are wonderful. Uh w- like one of the thing like one of the things that was like amusing uh, was that uh he would we we would go to a a bar or a club or something like that and i was probably constantly eyeing a window or a door wanting to escape but he 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 would he would always know exactly where the air conditioning vents were uh to, to to cool off like he was extremely good at locating those
1: well it's los angeles you know and uh he's uh uh you know it's hot as hell in the in the Summertime. So, how have you been holding up with uh, comedy on hiatus? Are you? Is Toastmasters open? Like, what are your creative outlets?
0: Well, I haven't done Toastmasters in in a while, uh, which I sometimes i i, I think about uh, uh, getting back into it. I I used to have a great deal of fun doing that, uh, but what I've been doing more recently, apart from like, uh like acting auditioning stuff like I've been doing I've been aud- auditioning for and mostly not getting uh stuff as, as I'm sure you can relate to and also I've been doing a lot of uh, background acting stuff which has actually been surprisingly rewarding and and uh and and occasionally like mildly lucrative um but what I started doing uh a few a couple of years ago was uh somebody, uh, let me like in on this, uh, whole world of, uh, comedy writing on medium.com. And I don't know if you're, you're familiar, uh, but it's, ju- it's just, a a, a writing, like uh, p- a reading platform. It, like, uh, it's not, uh, especially, uh, like, uh, special, uh, but, uh, it, 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 it led me to the whole area of, uh, of like, um, Uh, just written pieces, not scripts, because um, I had been doing uh, sketch comedy teams for years uh, between uh, uh, now and the last time we were uh, seeing each other a lot. Uh, Like I was on one team, a second team, a third team, I got burned out. Uh, And um, I was like, I need to do anything different and I need to do something that has some kind of outlet right like some kind of an end reward because i was sort of like still writing sketch sketch scripts vestigially i was like I what what would become of this i don't know anymore uh but it's what i know how to do and so then i started writing uh like more like magazine type uh pieces that would be uh, they could have been a sketch at one point but uh but now they are just solely on on the digital uh page so that's what i've been doing like a lot more of recently
1: well like it kind of like onion the onion they have really fun. yeah, som- that.
0: yeah sometimes it's a uh, satirical news article type stuff uh like uh, uh like it'll be uh i i wrote one that i like that was about how a um a spoon it was like a fork or something like that a fork that had gotten washed in the sink and and put in the in the dryer rack is never going to return to the the uh, the cutlery drawer. Uh, And because I I have a problem with not putting away dry dishes and 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 uh, flatware and all of that. And I just thought, like, it seems like so brutally sad and like a like like there's, there's something very relatable to the idea that now. The fork just exists in this constant cycle of being washed and being dried, and it never again gets to come to rest where it belongs in its home. Uh so I, like I like I, I'll it'll sometimes be stuff like that, or or else it'll not be an article, but it'll be um just a prose piece that is just like a person's point of view, usually.
2: Mm.
1: Um that's great. I mean, look, there's lots of different outlets, you know, and if you're That's that's what's always in my head, too. If there's a ladder that I'm at the bottom of that I can climb up, then it's fine. Like, you know, I imagine that Scientology and Monkey Butler are similar in the fact that you're at OT level one, OT level two. They were very clear. No, you're in level one now. Now you're in level Mm. two. I think we graduated. we, We did the whole program together. From what I remember, we were at one together. Then we went up to five and then we were performing with them. I think uh, yeah,
0: we 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 got up to midway, we got dropped down, we moved back,
1: we got back up. Yeah, we did get demoted at one point. Disappointing, but then uh, I I remember, you know, then I'm thinking, okay, what if I was in Scientology and I was wearing, you know, the spacesuit and I was like Elron Hubbard, Elron Hubbard, and then they're like, you are, you're now OT level four, like the the excitement that that must be. Oh, I'm um I've graduated the level in this woo woo. That must be very exciting for people.
0: I'm sure it is. Uh, I, yeah, I do. I do, I do think that there's a lot of, uh, similarity, like, uh, the idea of, uh, belonging to something and getting kind of, uh, subsumed by it and, and at, like advancing like that. I, 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 I also feel like I thrive on the idea of like being presented with, um, yeah, the, a ladder and rules or standard of excellence that you're trying to emulate, and, and like when that's all that there is in front of you, it's, 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 it's kind of great. Uh, huh. Like, yeah, I, I have no doubt that like, um did, did you, did, did I tell you before about the, uh, the uh, overlap between uh, Scientology and uh, Toastmasters?
1: Oh, please inform me. Well, I, I don't.
0: I can't. I don't know about every place, but uh, in in LA, the the uh, the the Scientology people are very enthusiastic about Toastmasters, and uh, they have at least one massive uh, club of their own. It's one of the most. It was. It was when I was a part of Toastmasters. It was one of the most successful uh, clubs in terms of contests uh, in in the the region. And we would often have contests at their facilities. Uh, and you know,'ll I'll say this much for the, the Scientologists. They have lovely buildings. Almost every building that they inhabit is like very, like is a nice historic uh, like structure in whatever neighborhood they are in. So it'll be like some 150 year old bicycle factory, all brick, very lovely. Um, but like so I would get I would sort of cross paths with uh Scientologists that were either in that club or were at the locations where we had the contest. And they 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 are a little they're a little off in, in some respects.
1: Yes. Um a- every time I do stand up, I sign off with uh smoke pot morship aliens. The reason why I say this, there's an alien right behind me. The reason why I say this is because I was friends with a Scientologist who's who, who I had just read Going Clear. I had seen all these L. Ron Hubbard documentaries. Cults are one of my big, big fascinations and big areas of study. Like when I read a book, I'm I'm reading about Jonestown. Like I love cults because it's like, boy, how did this guy grab all these sheep and and brainwash them? To me, that's so fascinating. So anyway, um, it's it's I, so
0: powerful. Like yeah. I, I'm sorry to interject, uh, but. Um, a, a year or two ago, I, I I I was doing background on a pilot that didn't nothing became of it, but it was about uh, a cult, and it's almost disturbing how cult like we became because that's what we were playing, and we were in the presence of a charismatic leader who happened to be the star of the show, but we it, that just happens it happens to you like it's a force. That I don't know if a lot of people are strong enough to to resist that 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 experience. <laughs>
1: um, you know who's a very charismatic guy is a Wilhelm Skeptisch, and he said this, and uh, this was the clip I was looking for. The
2: only humble hope is
0: that you help me build a highly efficient scientific utopia free of
1: delusions like ghosts, monsters, and love. Good so that's it. I mean, he's a humble guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, he barely wants anything.
1: Just to change society and everything. That's uh,
2: anyway,
1: the, everything. He, that's he, for. So my he I'm really... right.
2: uh, my my, yeah, yeah. With
1: my friend. So I I just read Going Clear. I was hanging out with my Scientologist friend, and she just saw the South Park episode about Scientology, where it was flashing on the screen. This is what Scientologists actually believe, which is Lord Zenu blew up these aliens in a volcano. I know, I knew from reading Going Clear that that's OT level three. So I asked her, I go, what OT level are you? To see if she downloaded this esoteric knowledge. And she goes, oh, I haven't gone clear yet. I go, well, when you go clear, one, two, three, three Xeno and the alien shit we saw in South Park. The problem with that is a lot of Scientologists, when the South Park aired, who were in the know of that information, were very disturbed that people all didn't have pneumonia and die, which is what L. Ron Hubbard wrote down on crack cocaine or amphetamines and uh, bloated, you know, whatever. He was bloated on uh, whatever. And he wrote down, if you see information above your level that you weren't ordained by the church to see, you're going to have pneumonia and die. So they were wondering why that South Park airing didn't like Jonestown the world. You see what I'm saying? Because they were like, they that was the religious. It's going to be a hard day for them. I I I sympathize. So then she was like, are you saying that we worship aliens? I'm like, yes, but you don't know yet. So mm-hmm. then it was that was such a profound also when I was having a conversation with this person her eyes were like the like I've never seen anything like that in my life. It doesn't so, seem
0: like that's what's supposed to happen.
1: Yeah. So I'm just asking you just one to two and like I was raised Catholic. I'm not anymore, but it's like, okay, Here, what do you want to know? All right, well, you know, and when I asked him questions about her religion, then she like had like a, what looked like a panic attack or like a mental breakdown, you know? Cults, man. Sorry. No, it's it, it's a lot.
0: it sure is a, a whole lot to think. you know that you know what used to drive me out of my mind um about Scientology was how the way in which it intersected with uh, the improv, like and I'm I'm sure you this must have like gotten you too. like it always irritated me that people didn't understand. It seemed to me that in order to pr- properly make fun of Scientology, you needed to have some base level working understanding of the power structure and just sort of like who the characters were and, and people only know who, who Zinu is so they sort of assume Xenu equals god and i would be like no 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 no! Zinu is the bad guy that's what that that much i do know uh and 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 you know like the, the comedy that you're doing is is less functional for your 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 want of knowing that that always bothered me
1: yeah i remember um this is an old like UCB story from New York, but Rob Corddry, before he was on The Daily Show, he was a UCB guy. Before he was an Upright Citizens Brigade guy, or while he was an Upright Citizens Brigade guy, he was working for Goldman Sachs. And so a scene comes up where he initiates it and it's two Wall Street guys. And all Rob Cordry does is like, Well, we're going to derivative financial swap. These assets emerge with this liquidation. Everything he said was accurate because it was the area of his expertise. He knew the language. It's a whole language, financial tyranny on Wall Street. That's a language of itself, you know. So it's almost like that's what really blew everyone away and maybe even got him the Daily Show because he had this Wall Street background. So he had access to this information, you know, and then he brought it to a comedy sense to wake up the people about the stuff there, you know.
0: Yeah, it makes sense like it, it like uh you know that he uh fit into that world in 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 a certain way and had a certain like uh gravitas and like that he could bring I'm sure was a big part of it. I I I, I bet they don't have a whole lot of people. Like they they might have like uh like a lot of um like Ivy League people and well-educated people, but if you have somebody who actually was out there doing the thing for even a little amount of time, I'm sure that's kind of a
1: unicorn. I Yeah, it's funny because at a high school, I was obsessed with this idea of going to a comedy college. And I found that the University of Toronto uh, actually offered like a four-year Bachelor of English or maybe three years, but plus with a speciality in comedy. Now it's more common. There are some colleges like, like Emerson, I think, has like comedy screenwriting bachelor degree because they're realizing, you know, it is a skill set. It is something that you can develop. Instead, I've got creative writing, but I was in the Operate Citizens Brigade the whole time. And then that served me well when I moved to L.A. I kind of had a, a handle. I had some skills and some experience. Um, but I do wonder, like speaking of what we're saying, I have met a lot of people who just are like comedy, comedy, comedy. And they are a certain um, uh, group, but you feel like they they don't have information to pull from. You know, you need some kind of life experience or ex- expertise to even make fun of the world, to know anything about the world, to make fun of it. And yeah. so people get in this echo chamber of not also doing other research, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I, I if to the extent that I was ever especially good at it, I I have no doubt that it had. And I don't know that it was it was only, it was it was. I'm sure partly that I had actually like read a lot and, and, and had other experiences uh, with, you know, interests, but like, you know, also that I had just had a certain, I think you have to have like a certain like uh life that is deficient in certain things in order to uh, e- e- one be just an interesting person and therefore to, to have uh, an, uh, like a, something to bring to, to comedy, but also to, to do the comedy well anyway right like you have to have like a certain like emotional like neediness or something like that apart from the fact that you like it helps to be broken in order to be interesting in order to be entertaining uh well
1: because if you're fulfilled by yourself all the time then the content you're not going to adjust your speech to be interesting because you're already fulfilled you have to be broken no you can be boring and stupid sometimes so that you don't try not to be those things when you speak.
0: Yeah. Um
1: yeah, I,
0: who, I don't know. I don't know anyone who's fulfilled. I guess like uh like uh yeah, like cult leaders like maybe are.
2: <laughs> Here's someone from Klaus Frog Jr. He said it's very interesting. Hello my slaves, additional favorite or Klaus Frog Jr. I am here at the Kelcher for five and rolling cheese for science, for the oligarchic science only, but Scientolo- Scientologists, and that's great. is my favorite kind for organization is a religious military organization. It's my favorite. Normally when I make brainwashings of peasants, I have to start at like the first level, like a very low level, but these, their eggs are poached, let me tell you. So it's great for me, I'm walking day one in the Illuminati, I have these plans for credits here. I am at the top of the pyramid. In every organization I oh, go, this is day one for me, and I will make degree earnings of OT level three for them when they will worship me like they should make.
1: Wow, oh, that OT level keeps coming up in this broadcast. I don't know why. Very, very inspiring person. Well, I think if I'm honest, uh, Klaus, there would be no Klaus Schropp Junior without uh, Wilhelm Skeptisch. I'll tell you that. Even, you know, <laughs> slowly I uh, go through my path. I I recycle ideas. I think that's well, important. <laughs> I I don't know if
0: I'm ever going to be a father for real. So if I if I birth uh, like a, like another German person uh, out of the one I played, then that that may be the 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 child I can look uh, look on
1: um speaking of uh, a cult uh that we were both obsessed with uh monkey butler i mean i was teaching level two for a time um i believe ben ledick sort of left the position so i was teaching level two i was uh, in the performance group it was very consuming to my life it was like i was there two three days a week then we had performances you know and then i realized like speaking of ladders i want to climb i had been doing I know this it was nine years of improv because I started when I was like 17 when I was 26 after nine years of improv just like you were saying I went from team to team to team sketch comedy team in LA you're all scraping for little showcase shows whatever you can get it's such it's so fun to do so you are motivated by that but I, I didn't even expect this they were like uh all right. Well, Eric has something to say. And I was like, well, I'm leaving. I just started crying. I remember that. It was like 2012. And I started crying. I was like, man, I just, I love you guys so much. And I just, because uh, I had been a part of it for like two years. And so it did mean a lot to me. And I was like, we were saying, we were going up to like a military soldier. We were monkey butler level one, two, three. It meant a lot to me, that club, you know? And yeah. I, yeah. I'm sorry. It, it, to see it dissipate what were you there when it dissipated was that like
0: yeah uh, yeah let me think it, 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 I think it was it must have been like 20 2012 something like that Two, uh, 2011 or 2012 because I I uh I was um I was doing ios stuff uh by 2012 or 2013 and I I couldn't have done What you did Um, I uh, i've i've been fortunate that in life that when I needed to grow past something it tended to go away. underneath me because I I might not have like as promptly like gone away from it and 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 monkey butler was something that at a certain point I, I got. I definitely got burned out on that too. I was putting in a lot of time on that. I did the email every week, and that was a, a, a big tedious thing. Um, and and yeah, like it, it, like ultimately, it collapsed because it, like, it depended upon people like like you or I that that weren't going to get any like monetary recompense um out of it and it was like yeah like there was nobody to 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 teach and and that 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 was how i sort of graduated into into other stuff but like it like had it not gone the way it did i don't know that my life
1: could have gone the same way hmm. yeah i feel like i left and maybe like maybe two years later it was gone or something like that maybe maybe uh but um You know, I'm very thankful for those days because, you know, when I was in uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade, I was kind of an undergrad as well. So my parents like paid for the classes. Right. But it's a different thing when you when you're on your own then. And I was working on reality shows and I was working at a post-production office while I was doing Monkey Butler. Right. And then I had all the I had some skills from it and some experience from Upright Citizens Brigade that I brought to it. But yeah, it was definitely a passion and a labor of love. And I felt like I couldn't get back into the UCB in LA because it seemed like there was like all these like Nickelodeon people that they just like walked right in, and uh, I felt like there was more looked at your credits instead of your performing. Um, so it that was really annoying to me because in New York, the people that were on Saturday at eight p.m. the main stage were just better than everybody, very obviously. And in LA, it just seemed like they, they had agents and managers. And in New York, none of nobody had any of that shit. So it just had a different vibe. It seemed. Um, but yeah, it's weird to watch dynasties come and go. When I first came to Austin, Texas, my home club was the Romo Room. Well, they just dissipated two months, uh, six weeks ago. Then they became North Star Comedy Club. Now the whole, now North Star is done. So I played their last show like a week ago we saw monkey butler come and go upright citizens brigade when it moved out of west 26 and 8th into 54 they died their new theater did not they should have stayed in the same theater that was killing it but they wanted to expand and that piece of greed maybe destroyed them then you have uh, this hedge fund or whatever i don't know some some producers just bought the rights to upgrade citizens brigade and we'll see if they'll make something of it in new york city during this pandemic and you need a vaccine ID to get it and all this bullshit the the theans bought it the the thetans, yeah the scientology scientology should just put that on their line item of they already they might as well <laughs> um so yeah what do you think about that you know it's Well, this stuff I don't know. Like, uh,
0: I think that like there's a there's a stretch of time in your life where you everything that you see play out, you sort of take to be happening for the first time and to be without precedent. And what you find out eventually is that these things happen over and over and over again, and that there was nothing so special about the about um ucb or io or groundlings or uh or any of the others that was going to make them just stick around um they definitely i don't know what quite what it is like there is this um in in in, in a lot of uh, endeavors there is this notion that you really have to get bigger uh, and you have to you have to expand and you have to progress further in some in, in some direction. And um, the, the, what I, I, I'm not I haven't always uh, l- like been an enormous fan of the pack theater in L.A. And I don't know how how closely you followed any of that stuff. Um, but the probably the strongest like the like a uh, comedy theater around in in LA and there's other ones that, that are that are that are out there that I don't know as much about but that seem to be doing all right but the one that I know the best anymore that still exists is, is the pack and they have been very smart about like understanding what size uh, a comedy institution can be and still be very like successful. Because the bigger you get, there's there's bloat and there's weight, and you eventually get crushed by it. Uh, it seems like that's what ends up happening with a lot of these theaters, like UCB buying a lot of real estate and and IO doing the same thing. It's that ends up becoming deadly. It seems like.
1: Looking back I feel like they did too much at once, right? So what happened was they had ucbcomedy.com which was like a YouTube, kind of like a funnier die. So Funnier Die and ucbcomedy.com came out at the same time, right? So they started to experiment with improv shows that and but then they would film sketches cuz this would be like a good way to like get a TV show, get Comedy Central interested in you. So then the performers were all working all performing for free, so they wanted an upside, right? So I go, uh, well, if we have this hybrid sketch and improv performance, then it, you know, the TV producers will, will take us serious. So then when they got all these sketches that were made in house at UCB, they put them on UCB comedy, right as YouTube was coming out, right as Funny or Die was coming out, right as E-bombs, E-bombs World College Humor. So they're competing with them. They ha- they're competing with other live theater venues they expanded. They felt like being packed every night. Oh, if we're packed every night and we have to turn people away, um, we're leaving money on the table. So let's get a 2000 seat venue. And and no, when you turn mm-hmm. people away, you know what they do? They come back because they want to be in that small, dirty theater and pay five dollars. When no, it's I like, well, like, you know
0: nightclubs all know all know the this the same thing that you want it to look exclusive and and hard to get into so that they'll do make that happen on purpose and as opposed to being like we should get like a, a a a former walmart space in order to do perform from that was um that was what the ucb sunset uh location felt like was like that you were uh watching a show or performing in like a cafeteria or uh, uh, like uh, it was it was it was so big and 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 hard to fill sonically and with people I feel like yeah that that's that definitely something that that got done not well
1: Uh, you know and let's look at poor Hitler you know when he was fighting a war on on he had to fight east and west he stretched thin so when UCB's on the New York side, oh let's get this bigger theater. They're on the LA side. Oh, let's instead of Franklin, let's go to Sunset. So now you have you have four fronts of battle while you're competing on ucbcomedy.com, while you're trying to run your staff. You're you're looking at real estate. It's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." What we have works. Keep it small. Yeah. Yeah, but exactly. I wonder if they were big or small, the pandemic would have wiped them away anyway.
0: So it's it like... might it might well, I don't know. It might not have uh, made any difference. But I I, I know that the, the pack theater like didn't didn't buy real estate. I don't know if they could have afforded it or not. Uh probably not, but um they 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 rented a small space uh during the pandemic, they 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 uh closed it, they closed it up. And then when they could, they basically went back into the same space. So, you know, like had had they been burdened by some kind of a mortgage or something like that, they probably just would have gone away.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: It's interesting. It's like Game of Thrones, because you see like these institutions rise to the top and then burst. I also saw there was something interesting that happened with Emerson College in Boston. Emerson College came to Los Angeles to build a Los Angeles branch of Emerson College. Meanwhile, they took Drew DeFonzo Marx from the UCB to run a UCB level structure in for the acting students. So not only can you walk out with a bachelor of comedy writing, but I'm UCB level five. Who ordained me? Drew DeFonzo Marx. You see what I'm saying? So even the college got involved to do this level structure. So you walk out of school being able to perform. The only the other problem I felt was there's a bottleneck. So they started getting so many students from everywhere and then they would graduate so many, uh, let's say 500 uh, level sixes, maybe not that many, maybe let's say 30 level sixes every year they would finally get through. Um, there's only eight spots in a Herald team. So you have 30 per year or per f- or twice a year. You have 30 uh, sit- level sixes, top levels. You have eight spots. Uh, but then those established performers become entrenched, established performers. There's not even eight spots next year. There's yeah, not even yeah. eight spots next year. There's not even. So now you have 30 plus 30 plus 30. So now you have like, you know, a couple hundred. And I even heard at one point, when I auditioned for a Herald team, 1,200 people auditioned for eight spots. Oh yeah. So now you kind of have all these high level performers, but they have to go to other places to get stage time because the UCB has this exclusivity to it. I think that's when they were like, okay, well let's have a big theater and have everyone come to us. We have all these students, we have all this talent. Yeah, but then when you lose the exclusivity, then you don't have it doesn't have value right so it's just interesting it's it's very interesting you have to like catch the zeitgeist you know
0: the bottleneck had been even worse at monkey butler which uh, didn't even run shows like uh like every day like ucb did like it was one show every two weeks and there were a handful of teams that performed on on the one night we 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 could never have gotten a, 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 almost a, on a on a team there that that ended up being the thing that frustrated me more than anything yeah it 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 ends up creating huge problems because you have to make the classes that people are paying for at least halfway like worthwhile seeming by putting some of those people on teams and then you have competing interests in terms of like uh, making that like work versus like actually putting the best people forward in order to promote the classes I'm, yeah, I'm I'm glad I never like, uh, like was in that position.
1: Yeah. You know, as frustrated as you are being a performer on the other side, imagine that side, like the, they were, you know, at monkey Butler, they were doing it for free. A lot of the performers were doing it for free. Sometimes they would have interns who would be being a free intern, like working the phones and making reservations and scheduling different stuff for free classes. So now you have an intern getting free classes, but the, it's like, you just have all these uh, interests to serve. I don't think that the, but I'm so grateful for my in-person training. Not only did I get, you know, I got an undergrad degree. I, I went to public school. I went to public grad school. Uh, I, all my classes were in person. And I feel like this next, what an advantage this is. And so this the this high school uh, seniors who have lost two years of, uh, college in person and have been doing zoom classes in high school or then they're missing their proms and all this stuff um you know they're gonna get used to having all their communication digital just like we're on zoom right now you know
0: yeah I mean it's, some of it is is like a a good is kind of an improvement to to a degree i think some of it is um a lot of it's definitely not like it's I I don't, I don't know how you end up doing really well at training in, in comedy or in like actively like making comedy, because I get that you can like meet virtually in order to shape material, but it seems really hard. Like, like you can do that, like at the writing level, but at the performance level, the timing and the. The chemistry that only exists in person seems really hard to to duplicate, right? Like, uh, like I, I, I've I've had the experience of of my scripts being read by people that are all all online, and and it, you can't do anything based on timing, and that seems like that's kind of an important aspect of 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 comedy. And 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 additionally, I one of the ways in which I'm broken have been broken was like in struggling to connect with people like on a friend's uh, basis so that the teams I was always a part of were my friends and the things that we did like that were shows or practices those were my social engagements and 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 for the stuff to all exist uh digitally and virtually like you know vaporizes all that which is a shame Like that there's like uh, that there's none of uh, that the spontaneous in person stuff that exists because people are all in the same place. It's too bad.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, I was already like half autistic, you know, I, you know, so anyway, um, it's not been good on my mental. Also, I was in New Jersey. I was going to go to New York City when the pandemic hit and then I came to Austin instead because they opened up. So I'm like, I'm going to do stand up. I'm going to go where I can, you know. So I literally like I felt like I was like a refugee of (laughs) in-person performance because
2: it's
0: a passion. I know know you can be counted on to keep Austin
1: weird. That seems like a big concern over there.
2: I think that's more about small
1: business. I don't think that's about... um, dressing well it kind of is there's a lot of freaks out here there's so many more tattoos here than anywhere else i've ever lived is that right yeah just like arm tattoos it's like that's a gun that's a snake that's a pilgrim like it's kind of <laughs> like that. you know what i'm saying like everyone pilgrim
0: has tattoos oh yeah 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 i, I can see it
1: i'm <laughs> so afraid of needles that it's just not like I'm like anti vaxxers because like I I fainted at the fucking doctor's office like 12 times from needles like they pull it out and I'm, oh, yeah. like, oh, I'm out I go I go out unconscious I'm that scared of needles so um other than wanting to create a highly efficient techno fascist dictatorship uh i'm skeptic what is your real feelings Calder about ghosts aliens what did uh and Shadows bring up for you like no, I, I, I have a lot of uh,
0: legitimate skepticism of my own about um, that about that whole realm of stuff. But that's not to say that I don't allow any possibility whatsoever of some of that stuff uh, maybe being real. I don't. I, I, I get you know, like a, I, I just don't don't know on that stuff. I think as far as like afterlife type stuff, like who can possibly really know or aliens, like we have, we don't have the capacity to know for sure one way or, or, or or the other. So you have to say it's possible at the very least. Um, and, you know, if there, if, if there is some kind of afterlife or truth to any, any of what we're told by organized religion then that must mean that there's some possibility of ghosts i mean sometimes like you hear stuff that really has seems to have no po- r- possible explanation and you can't immediately defeat it so who knows so uh, it's
1: more fun as a mystery huh
2: That's you know, why- i mean i don't i mean i don't
0: know if i you well, know whether it's fun or not. Like I, I, like uh, your your reason for not getting tattoos might be needles, but mine is uncertainty. So <laughs> that's where I come at it from.
1: Have you ever walked in a tattoo shop and looked on the wall and went, "Oh, that would be pretty cool on my lower back"? Uh, have no, like, no, have
0: <laughs> no. I, 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 I'm afraid to even stand outside for more than a minute uh, looking at it, like for fear of like uh, somebody asking, like, like. I don't think that's how they operate, uh. but like, no, it's it like it, it wouldn't. I haven't for one second, like it legitimately entertained the idea. Like I, there's just not anything that I was ever sure I was going to like for forever. Mm. Um,
1: maybe we have the same like social dysfunction and what brings us to comedy. I'm just kind of thinking about because I, I remember being in a high school party and two people were holding court and they were not the funniest people by a long shot. I felt like I could keep up with them, right? So I kept trying to interject and they would, I get socially steamrolled over and over. And they almost looked at me like, don't you know we're holding court? We're getting all the attention, not you. So I would try to snipe in here and there, but then it was like so frustrating when, you know, people are very gregarious, but too much of, and, you know, not good at sharing the social football at all. So, oh, what I like about standup and what I like about improv, it's like, okay, now it's your turn and go crazy. Now it's your turn. That was always just so like thrilling to me that I would prepare for a moment where it would be my turn. Oh Do you yeah. You have this feeling too, like if you're like in oh. a bar, you know, with Ian Longway. Ian's like so good at talking to everybody. He finds the AC. He's dancing. He's going crazy. He's like he doesn't have suffer this problem that I think me and you suffer more. I I need to like kind of pick my spots and is it my turn to talk yet? You know, am I you know that kind of
0: thing? Yeah, it's really hard to for me to get into a an opening in uh kind of a, a free freewheeling competitive um space like the same yeah it's probably about the same like uh the 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 thing that I had I liked was, um, well, like, you know, in improv, you have to you really have to seize the the moments, but in sketch, uh, they're more you you have to compete, but not for not for not for opportunities in the same way you you have to compete like with material and have the best or most popular material. But you definitely are granted the um, the opportunities to to do that. So I loved that we would have a a writing meeting, and I would have spent I would have just killed myself writing the best material that I possibly could have. But then I knew that I would be granted my turn to you know, hold everyone in my thrall for a few minutes. And like my material would would be the only thing happening for 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 that space of time, just like with uh, doing stand up. Uh, it, it may be even better because uh, I, I don't know if you ha- have heckling stories or not. I'm sure you must. Uh, but uh, but like yeah, like sketches don't get heckled by your own team anyway.
1: Yeah, people ask me that all the time, and I really think there's two kinds of heckles. I I, when I was in New Orleans, I got a whole girlfriend because I was uh, on stage and this she was heckling, you know, this this girl who became my girlfriend. But when I came on stage, I realized that she wasn't she was going with the material. she was yes anding everyone's material Mm. so I could work with it. So uh, the other comics didn't really know what to do. And I was like, oh, those are those are love heckles. Those are love heckles because I said something. She was like, "Yeah," and that that person's crazy too. Yeah, and then I was like, she would add to it, so I would take that gift and add to it. I feel like some standups don't have improv backgrounds, you know?
0: They're, no, uh, I'm sure that's true, and I I definitely appreciate that. Like I I never liked having to compromise or or adapt uh, to other people with my writing because I just wanted it to be what I had imagined. And I think that stand-ups often are, are the same way that you sort of imagine um, the material existing in a certain way and and being spoken in a certain cadence with certain timing. And you think this is how it's going to be good. This is how it's going to succeed. And then at, like somebody for like one motivation or another, like uh, impacts that, Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. But um, you going into that reality, uh like are are better off than than they are needing their material to be be so precious
1: well it's like boxing it's like you know you could train all day uh but then when you get in the ring uh you know it's it's a different story so you can train all day but then when there's a live crowd and they're loving that joke and then you bomb two jokes in a row okay whoa you know the the silence stings when you you know it's they're not liking all your material, so like I say, you can get in your own head in your own feedback loop, um which is not good because you also need the other side of it, which is live performance. That's literally why I moved to Texas because live performance is uh keeps me grounded and uh gets me out of my own head because I can try to build a highly efficient scientific utopia of how to be funny in my head uh but the the crowd decides if I'm funny or not i't yeah. You know, even my last show at the North Star, it was a weird night. Uh, you know, I didn't do so well, so I, I'm like really mad at myself. But uh, you know, I felt like I got too into my material and I wasn't connecting.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's 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 it, it's it's tough to to uh, be be present in 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 what is happening when you have a lot of investment in in what you came up with.
1: It was also like the last night. So like I had been performing at this place all the time. And then this, this was like, now it's closing. And I'm very, you know, my heart chakra runs deep when someone says, this is the end. You know, I thought this was a, the beginning of a new, beautiful, no, this, it's all closed and everything sucks. This is where, it was called the end of the world show. So it just oh. put me in a weird way, you know, anyway.
0: I can see how that would be.
1: I cried when I left Monkey Butler, like a bitch, because I have a liberal arts degree. That's how much I care about. Mm-hmm. it.
0: i i i actually like envy you like for that because like crying isn't something that i that i really uh do and like yeah i think that like when when i when i reflect on the most recent times that i actually did cry like that 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 is a very powerful catharsis like uh like you're better off like having done that than not
1: what was it what was your last good cry
0: I, uh, uh, the last time I remember doing it was, Was it it, it was almost as old, long ago as that. Yeah, it was, it was when I was in junior college, I think I was having some kind of a a crisis of, of confidence or, or something like that, where I had some, I don't know, I had some enormous doubt about what I was going to be able to do in life. And it's funny thinking about that because of how absurd it sounds to me now, if somebody who's like 20 like fancies that their life is over or something like that, you know, like, uh, they, they did, they didn't do well on a test or something like that. And, and, you you know, you think like, uh, like sometime after that, like when you're, when you're 30 or like when you're, I'm going to be 40, uh, you, um, you think oh my god i only wish i could be back in in the space of of school again where that was the only thing i had to worry about and and i could i could imagine like 80 years of life ahead of me or something like that you know something absurd uh but you know when you're in when you're at that age uh you you don't have the the life experience to appreciate how the early stage that you're actually at you see it feels like you're And I think it's partly because like adults uh, over impress upon you how important that that period of time is that you really have to nail the experience of being 17, 18, 19, or else it's all over. And, you know, I think they, they certainly mean well by that, but they they scare you so hard that it like you have like a bad experience at that point and you're like, oh, my God. It's all over. It's all over.
1: So what? You were in uh, junior college and you were trying to get into a, a never, another program and you had a bad test result. And you're like, now I won't be able to do the next thing. And that was that was what I, I don't time. I don't remember even I don't remember specifically what it was about.
0: I, I remember like thinking that my parents like didn't. Like have like they didn't have faith in me anymore or something like that. It was really, it wasn't grounded in any kind of reality. Uh, it was one of those really temporary, ephemeral things where you make a lot out of like a small, uh, fleeting uh, uh moment or or an impression that was almost certainly erroneous. But I what it what it, what it was about exactly I can't even remember anymore. I I remember crying. Uh, But I don't remember what I was so upset about
1: anymore. I think that's usually what ends up happening. I also know that my mental health is like a moving target. Like, so now I'm very like, because I'm older, you know, I used to like you, I would go out every single night and just pursue comedy. And then like, I was literally dehydrated. I was literally overstressed. I was literally malnourished. I was literally like not taking care of my body. So now like I'm old, I'm like, I'm just going to pick my spot. Right. So just like, it, like I'm going to go to Houston on Sunday and do the secret group. The next day I'm going to do Rudy yards. Maybe if they email me back, if they don't email me back, I'm coming back to Austin. So, right. So it's like, I definitely have one show book that I'm definitely going to do if I get the second that, and they email me back. Great. I'm going to do that. If they don't, I'm done. So I'm not going to just stick around and like, I've never been one of those hangout out guys like, Oh, just hang out and see if someone talks to you. Fuck that. I'm a performer. If I'm not performing, I'm fucking out of here. You know? So, um, and that's probably a bad thing because I know moon tower comedy festivals going out now and not only everyone says, Oh, it's also a good networking thing. I'm dog shit at networking. <laughs> I, it's like, when, when are my spots? When are my spots? These are my spots. I'm going to come five minutes before it leave three minutes after that's my spot. Like what? a uh, klaus schwab jr he went to austin city hall and uh they he couldn't get on the docket to talk to the austin city council because uh he didn't there was a procedural thing where he what he wanted to talk about was a highly efficient dictatorship that he was about yeah. to install and um but that that wasn't on their agenda for the day if you could believe it so they had like 30 that items shocking. On their agenda, and they're like the the clerk said to class junior i'm his intern so the clerk clerk said to class junior um you know this doesn't which docket and i was you know i was next to him and it was like 29 just try 29 for you and then she was like this has nothing to do with that uh, item 29 it, item 29 is about zoning a, a, a preschool and i was like "Oh, make a 20 uh, for you uh class class said that i don't do a good impression of class sure, sure but um, i get it so but they had me go to the, so then I, you know, Klaus went to the back office. I followed him. I was co- co- covering I was holding his spacesuit suit and his uh, luggage form and uh, you know, he, he got worked in. So now um, Sanco de Mayo, I can report Klaus Schwab Jr. at noon has an, a proper three minute spot in front of the Austin city council. So look forward to that. Uh, it might be on the news. It's going to be, He's working really hard on that. I can tell you that. It's going to be a shit show. So That's very uh, exciting. Good for him. Yeah. So let him, uh, you know, he's like kind of an abusive friend. So I don't really like to give him a lot of light on this podcast. Um, but I get jealous of the shows he does uh, here. Yeah, anyway, too. Um, We have a sponsor for Highway Diary, ACBD Remedy. Go to acbdremedy.com. Use promo code ERIC for 20% off your order. I would really love people to go to ericcollerbach.com, Click the web series tab. Look at Damien Shadows. It's super embarrassing. Don't send me an email about it. I know. I play a a gay vampire with a learning disability in that. Um, But your performance, uh, that's why I got in touch with you because I was dreading. I I literally didn't see this thing for eight years. And I saw it last week and I was howling. Uh, Debunking with Wilhelm Skeptisch is so fucking funny. And uh, it's all thanks to your performance. I want to say behind the scenes, I thought it would be great if Wilhelm Skeptisch was bald. So I wanted yeah. you to go in there, right? Remember that? I was Oh, like, I don't, I don't recall. I said, can you shave your head? I want you mm-hmm. like a scientist to be clean. Like you don't want your hair follicles to fall into your beaker, right? So oh, like yeah. you just go in, and and then you go, look, I'm a little too prideful. I'm like a prideful lion. And I said, okay, are you sure? <laughs> uh, but but I think it's right because you have this this nice uh, you know, mop on your head as you still
2: do.
0: I, I I appreciate the logic of of your thinking. That would like I I can confirm that on a day to day basis, it is not especially efficient uh, scientifically to be dealing with uh, with hair all over the place and 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 clogs and drains and and stuff like that. Like in a, in a sense, you're uh, like you're much better off that way. Although I I, I guess like you you still deal with uh, the same problems anyway with the beard and all.
1: Yeah. Right. So I uh, yeah, but I was trying to get you like, hey, maybe just have a little mustache, but have it be clean so that like if you're yeah, I I was just imagining he was always in the lab, you know, he uh, pure science ended his marriage Oh, they wouldn't make the same mistake again.
2: That line is so funny.
0: Um, Anyway, we will have to revisit it if I do go bald someday.
1: Hey, uh, hey, there could always be more uh, Damien Shadows in uh, the Bunk and Wilhelm Skeppish. Although, you know, I got to say, I got a little bit of a beer belly since those days. I was pretty uh, wafer thin at that time, so I would have to, you know, get back into my twink form. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I yeah. To, I would have to adjust. I got some hair, but Damien Shadows wore a wig anyway. I'd have to lose a beard, which would be a, a shock to me. But uh, anyway, that would be fun to... Yeah, but maybe it's good as it is. It's just uh it, it, it would
0: be it would be very funny though if uh, Damian Shadows had to hit the gym to get back into into uh paranormal fighting shape.
1: You know, to me and maybe this is superficial of me, but you know when you have like a rock star that like you're, you know, like um the band Corn, I was such a big fan of. And then, you know, and he was like this wayfish, kind of Damian Shadows looking lead singer where he looked like he was like strung out on heroin. He weighed like 110 pounds. And then like he goes, he lives in Beverly Hills, you know, for 10 years and his wife fattens him up and then he goes back out on tour. And it's just like, wait, who is, who's that little sausage man? You know what I mean? Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 So
1: I would just have to, if I really, you know, if it came back, I would have to, you know, make some, make some sacrifices,
2: <laughs>
1: but uh, any, any plugs, where can people find you on the social networks called her Hallbrook? Well, the, the, the thing I'm doing uh, the most regularly these
0: days is uh, a, a pro wrestling uh, podcast called the AE Double Back. Uh, you can find it at, at AE Double Back on uh, Twitter and on Instagram, and uh, you can subscribe and hear me uh, speak uh, on on that subject uh, at some length uh, on a weekly basis.
1: Oh, wow. So you fell on WWE? No, we're we've been doing.
0: We started doing that, but uh, but we 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 pivoted from uh, W the Monday Night Raw to AEW's uh, Dynamite. Uh, so we we cover the new upstart.
1: Oh, good. You know, it's just like it hit your hit your uh, your hitch to a shining silver star and hope it shoots oh, yeah. up in the distance. You know, it's all Game of Thrones. You know, things come and go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, for now it's uh it's a, uh, it's an upward trajectory until uh, until they get too close to the sun and get burned. Uh, it happens to us all. It's just
1: we're all just living out these ancient ancient plays over and over again. Capitalism. Uh, anyway, it's a pleasure to know you. I've been enriched uh, in my life from having Calder Hall broken it. I'll tell you that. Oh,
2: thank you. This has
1: been episode of Highway Diary three. 4 or 2 with one of my good buddies,
2: my LA buddy, Calder Hallbrook. Bye. Thank Thanks for doing it.